0: This is the Power 98.7 podcast. Now, we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. I don't know if this uh, this particular conversation is worth celebrating much, but it probably is worth it is worth having a talk over about the sustainability thereof, about the relevance, about the efficacy that is involved in this, um, and also about how is it that we as a country can relook the strategy behind the direct intention of this. What am I talking about? I'm talking about how in 2003, the South African government introduced Broad-Based Black Economic Empowerment Act 53 of 2002. Now, The whole purpose of this was to address the inequalities that were suffered by black South African citizens as a result of the apartheid regime. Another purpose of the broad-based Black Economic Empowerment Act was to increase the participation of black people in the management, ownership and control of South Africa's economy by measuring the economic involvement of black people over a range of specified BEE elements. So, what activities were taken a look or were were looked at in terms of being able to be compliant with the BEE mandate. It was elements such as this, ownership, management control, skills development, enterprise and supply development and socioeconomic development. With that said, what has happened till then? Well, This was quite alarming because according to the 2002 Sunlam Gorge, which actually takes a look at 10,000 companies, 10,000 companies were reviewed for this one. It basically looks at how businesses continue to perform lower than the set targets on broad-based black economic empowerment ownership. Black ownership, for example, stands at about 74.8% and the target is 100%. Where business performed even poorly, right, in the management control category. Let me tell you how much the management control category is. It sits at 55.9%. This is against a target of 100%. When it comes to skills development, it stands at 74.4%. But it's also a point important to note that within this research that was conducted, what they couldn't account for was what happens to those black people that have, given, that have been given the skills in companies. Because according to the research, the black people that have been upskilled are not reflected upon the management positions within the companies themselves. So they're being skilled. But there is no follow through after upskilling. They still do not occupy management positions when it comes to companies where it is the management category in South Africa. So with 74% or 76% or so of management, top management in South Africa being still white male dominated, the, the 74% that are actually being trained, where are they going and with these statistics that I'm announcing as well as the historical context to it, what does the future of broad-based black economic empowerment look like in South Africa? Is there room for amendment? How should it amend? So that it truly is a representation of the South Africa that we want to build in addressing the injustices, the economic injustices, but also forging ahead in building an inclusive inclusive economic base well let's get into this conversation shall we we've got our guests joining us we've got black 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 business council vice president Gregory Mufugeng who joins us in the studio Mr Mufugeng thank you so much for your time this afternoon welcome to Power Lunch
1: good afternoon to your faith and good afternoon to the listeners at home
0: we've also got somebody who's no stranger to the Power Lunch family managing partner at Sugar Creek Wealth Gerald Mwanabira. Gerald thank you so much for your time this afternoon welcome to Power Lunch
2: Always a pleasure, Faith, yes, and I wish I was in studio.
0: (laughs) I definitely wish you were in studio as well. But the conversation continues, and I'm glad that you could join us for it. We've also got the Shadow Minister of Trade and Industry, Dean McPherson. Thank you so much uh, uh, for your time this afternoon, Mr. McPherson, and welcome to Power Lunch.
3: Thanks. I'm glad I'm not in the studio because I'm in Durban, with it's uh, probably a
0: lot warmer. <laughs> than it is, yeah. Oh, Dean, why did you have to tell us that you're where it's warm? My goodness. Yeah. No. Listen, well, it's not 18 degrees Celsius like it is right here. You know. Uh, but but let's start off with understanding it. And I was just, you know, brief in the historical context that I was giving to broad black economic empowerment, Gregory, and how it was supposed to address the economic <coughs> injustices that exist. But it appears as though 28 years on, or well, since it's been instituted in 2003, so almost almost 20 years on, the objectives have gone backwards. We are making progress, but in some instances, such as management, we are not making the progress that it was supposed to be made in the first place. Mm,
1: definitely, we're not making progress, Faith. And and, and let me uh, preface my comments by saying the following, that um, the very reason why we have uh, this piece of legislation is because there's just absolutely no goodwill, especially from white established sector, to make sure that there's meaningful participation of blacks in the economy. And, you know, the research has been done. You can look at all men of data that that confirms this. Mm. Uh, In fact, if there was just goodwill, um, you know, following 1994, what the establishment was supposed to do was to make sure that they open up in terms of All the areas that we've spoken about, uh, management and control, ownership, make sure as many as possible of black people who uh, were excluded and remain excluded, um, you know, participated in the ownership and management and control of these companies. But that was not the case. And hence, um, you know, we were left with no choice but to introduce this piece of legislation. So uh, directly to your question, yes, um, this was a very good uh, and still remains a very good piece of legislation but it is not being properly implemented and that's where the problem is. And and, and I think as the BBC, we do have proposals in terms of how it can be fixed. Yeah. But as we sit here today, uh, the, the stats are there. I don't have to repeat what you said. Um, you know, all the targets that have been set have not been met except socioeconomic development. So if one has to look at this data, you will then say, in fact, uh, black economic empowerment is CSI. It's companies going out there and, and and doing you know community work and supporting community organizations and supporting those programs in communities. And that's it. And no meaningful participation in the economy. That's what the data tells us at the moment.
0: You know, I want us to get into so many aspects around this, um, even when it comes to Chinese companies that are operating in South Africa, because also they need to be, to, or foreign-owned companies that are operating in South Africa and how much they actually adhere to BEE, right, or triple BEE. We're going to be looking at the proposals also made by the Black Business Council and fam, on 0861987000. The question that we're asking is, how do, we, how do we make broad-based black economic empowerment, the act in itself, more mm. effective? Or has it exhausted its time? that's the question has it exhausted its time or how do we then make it more effective you know um dean regarding you know b triple b-, b e e the democratic alliance has been very clear in terms of its stance on it and you guys are saying no it, it shouldn't even be because it was it uh, it's it's been it's proven itself to be irrelevant at uh, at present
3: well i think the important thing is, is to actually understand uh you know the, the previous speaker was only partly right about where uh, the legislation comes from. It was actually an agreement, essentially between big business and the ANC, uh, to, uh, uh, to, to to try and uh, address uh, um, unemployment uh, at the time and inequality, uh, and and uh, and promote, um, uh, you know, a. a space where more South Africans had more of a say in the economy. Mm. And, and it was essentially a deal between elites um, about transferring wealth from one group of elites to in, to another group of elites. Uh, and that has really uh, been the status of of BEE ever since. That there, there has been no real uh, uh, employment. There has been no real wealth creation outside of the elites of South Africa. Which is why we sit in the position that we have where uh, black unemployment, black poverty, black inequality, black uh, uh, incomes are, are some of the lowest they've ever been uh, since 1994. So if BE was the meaningful uh, 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 bill that it was supposed to have been, it would have addressed that but it hasn't. It's just created an opportunity to, uh, to empower elites. So I think that we have to uh, diagnose what the problem is if we want to fix it. And what we don't need is more elitism. What we need is true broad-based economic uh, growth in South Africa because that will drive job creation, that will drive ownership, it will drive management uh, if we have an economy that is growing opportunities. But we can't just say that opportunity exists for one specific group of people which are normally the politically connected and the elites who have been empowered time and time again continuously get the same contracts over and over so what we've done is we've actually put a new bill uh, to parliament it's called the social impact bill and it looks to actually speak to the drivers of poverty uh, inequality uh, uh, and and address those so, that we can see more people in employment, more people start their own businesses, uh, and people become uh, the masters of their destinies over time. Yeah. So, I think that there's a fundamental uh, 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 approach uh, that we have to take. We have to take a new approach, and simply deepening uh, BEE or, or implementing it more vigorously, as the president would like to say, is, is certainly not going to change it. Because you cannot flog a dead horse, and we really think that BE has uh, has reached the end of its road and should have reached the end of the road many, many years
0: ago. Well, Gerald, you know, as I said, as an act in itself, right, it was supposed to really be an address of the economic injustices that exist. But, uh, you know, the shadow minister here of trade and industry, the Democratic Alliance, is saying it's just proven to be a piece of paper to advance the cause of the elites, where the Mm. rich get richer, or the politically connected rich get richer, and the remainder of South Africans who would like to do business on merit and not because of which political party they're affiliated to continue to be on the losing spectrum. Your thoughts?
2: Well, I think uh, my erstwhile colleague is correct in terms of partly um, addressing what has happened. But also the biggest issue is that um, with this piece of legislation, the previously advantaged groups are yet to still agree and accept that there is an imbalance in the wealth, trans- in the wealth um, demographic of the country. And that, that demographic was created by a system which enabled one group to literally take wealth from another. And, you know, simply ignoring the the, the problem or trying to blame that it has ended up with black elitists is, is simply, you know, almost putting a smokescreen. Bottom line is the, South Africa still has the biggest disparity in terms of... Um, wealth between the rich and the poor. And if anything, the previous advantage groups have become even more wealthy. In
0: other words, white business has become more more whiter and more richer.
2: And they've done it with using this legislation and fronting Um, which has been highly prevalent. And in big corporates where they were required to keep certain scorecards, they simply manipulated the data. Um, I worked in one company where when the numbers were not looking good, they simply um, lowered the rung of what was defined as a manager so that they could basically um, keep their scorecard looking good. So it has been abused, the whole system, but the real the real crux of the master faith, is that the um, the lowest earning black population and the majority of the population have not felt the impact of this legislation. It's benefited yet. Uh, yes, there the political elites, but it's also benefited to a large extent the small white businesses who run with a lot of the business contracts, which should actually be sitting in black
4: hands.
0: But then, where where do we even begin, um, Gregory, to be able to to address this? I mean. In order for you to ensure that business is representative of the political or the the diverse climate of South Africa, we need to be able to have political will behind it. You can't have a situation where black people in this country are still having to sit with a begging bowl so that white people or white business can be able to give them a space in the the table. If white businesses or white-owned businesses are clearly saying to black uh, uh, South Africa that, sorry guys, we still want to be able to keep the economic power and the economic leverage... Surely, unless government acts, the people can act.
1: Yes. And, and and let me start here, uh, Faith, by saying to Dean uh, more directly, what the DA is proposing is to condemn black people to perpetual slavery as employees. Finish mm. and, and that's why the focus is not on the ownership of the economy. The focus is on how do we skill people, how do we employ those people in white-owned companies, and how do we make sure that these white-owned companies perpetually get access to government tenders. Now... For instance, the Competition Commission has come out with a study that clearly outlines the issue of oligopolis in our economy. In each and every sector of our economy in this country, there are white, big-owned companies that dominate that space. The DA is not, it does not want to touch that. So if we're going to talk about economic, real economic transformation, we need to talk about how do we make sure that these economic sectors are open to black people. Now, if you take the issue of... <clears throat> You know, where we are as a country and and where the DA wants to drive us. The fact of the matter is that there will be no sunset clause on B until the ownership profile of this economy reflects the demographics of our country. Mm. Now, where we need to go to is to make sure that this piece of legislation, which by the way, up until this point, compliance with it has been voluntary by all means. So if you you do not get a level one, you can still do business with government. If you are non-compliant, you are still allowed to do business with government. So we must get to a point.
0: But then it will where be preferential procurement then in that sense. So they will choose one over the other based on the compliance.
1: Yes, but we can make it even much more tougher yeah. by saying that if you do not transform and comply with our legislation for transformation, you are not allowed to do business with government. There has to be consequences for not transforming. So this legislation, which remains primarily voluntary at this present moment in time to comply with. We must make sure that it is something that must be done. We ma- It must be enforceable. So if you don't comply, then you should not be allowed to do business in, 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 uh, with with the state, one. And number two, the state must use its power, its licensing power to, to so not license those businesses that are not transforming. For instance, if you want a mining license, you should not get it. If you are not transformed, if you want to register a business in this country, you should not get a license to operate if you are not transformed. That's where we need to get to for B legislation to be taken seriously. So where we are at the moment, we've got a very interesting and nice framework, Mm -hmm. which incorporates everything from ownership to skills development, to empowering our communities, to even empowering small up and coming businesses in a form of enterprise and supply development. But those things are not being done because the people who are running the economy know that whether they do them or they don't do them, they are still going to do business tomorrow.
0: Then, Dean, is it also a a way that BEE in itself is protecting white-owned companies that are simply not transforming? Otherwise, we wouldn't have the statistics that we're sitting with, uh, right? Where we've got management, at top management level in this country is still not reflective of a South Africa that is truly diverse, even in skills capacity.
3: So, I mean, I think, Faith, uh, you know, I think that I'm going to go back to the point that unless you can (laughs) actually diagnose the problem, you can't actually sort out uh, what needs to be done. Uh, and uh, and your previous speaker is correct when he says when he asked the rhetorical question you know have uh, uh, have and i want to make sure that, that i quote this correctly He says has the black majority benefited from be and, and the simple answer is no because be was never designed to assist uh, or benefit the black majority and, and and it's important that people go and actually look uh, at what was developed at that time Uh, and how BEE legislation has evolved over the last 20 years. And it was very, very specifically focused on empowering elites and and creating a new class of elites. And that's a a decision that the governing party uh, at the time took. And then what they've tried to do is tinker with the the solution instead of trying to uh, find a new wholesale uh, uh, problem. So, you you know, unless you can actually understand that BEE is the problem, that so many black people cannot find employment, that so many black people are left out of the economy, you're going to keep going around in circles. And of course, yeah. I mean, I don't expect uh, the the BBC to ever see uh, an uh, you know eye to eye with us, because you know they represent you know some of those elites, and that's fine. But what we have to do is we have to say that there are 16 million unemployed people in this country, uh, and and we need to ensure that we deal with the drivers of unemployment and inequality in this country. And what businesses should be focused on is making meaningful meaningful contributions to get people into training, to get people uh, into uh, uh, on-job training as Mm -hmm. well, uh, putting money behind fixing education or healthcare or wherever they may be doing business uh, with the state. Because, you know, there's also a very real uh, uh, question that that has to be asked, is that the state spends a trillion rand a year on preferential procurement. If you are using that as a lever uh, to drive a very narrow focus um, of of empowerment, uh, which is, uh, in in your gentleman's uh, admission, is sort of ownership and control, well, you know, it's this it's only there's only a small group of people yeah. that can benefit out of that but, but then let me challenge the you with, the, with this, with this, this. So with this
0: with yeah, this question let the, me ask the, you this question the, on, on on this one specifically you know mm-hmm. um as you're saying that it was there to service the elite, uh, the elite which i completely take your point in if we have to just look at the roadmap in terms of who became richer over between 2000 between 1994 and now over between 2003 to date right but what do we say about those companies also right that are benefiting off this Elitism document, right? The white-owned companies. What do we say to the sixty-four percent top management positions in this period in in this country that it's still white-dominated and the country, the the companies that refuse to transform but would rather front, right, and and front for just a proper BEE scorecard? How much accountability do we place on those white-owned businesses? Well,
3: you know, as I said earlier, Faith. You know, if we want to have a you know, an economy that benefits everyone. We've got to grow the economy. Uh, and you know, as I said, we will never support BE legislation because we think it's morally wrong, and we think that it is uh, it's problematic for the future and growth of our country. Uh, you know, but if people are committing fraud, as as in uh, as you may suggest, then people must go to uh, the uh, the relevant authorities uh, and uh, and report that and report that fraud. But what we also need to do is we need to focus on where is the big interventions that need to be made in empowerment. And I would argue that the big interventions in in empowerment are unemployment and unskilled South Africans. And that's where we should be that's what we should be obsessing about every single day.
0: We're gonna continue this conversation. What do you make of it? Is it time for BE to amend? Or is it time for it to be scrapped? Hey, can I ask all those um young people that own that are in business in this country, right? If you're a youth owned business owner, what is your take on BEE? Do you follow, do you not follow? Does it matter to you anymore? I'd like your take on it. As half as one well now let's get your latest Empowered News. Call Faith on 0861-987-000. Indeed, that is the number to dial to get a hold of us in the studio. We're interrogating and analyzing BEE and how it's worked over time. We're still with our guests this afternoon, Gregory Mufukeng, Black Business Council Vice President, Dean McPherson, Shadow Minister of Trade and Industry in the Democratic Alliance, Gerald Monabira, Managing Partner at Sugar Creek Wealth, and of course, you fam, on 0861-987-000. to <laughs> the White guy just? say that empowering black people is morally wrong. There's no such thing as a triple B E legislation only empowers the elites. We must not confuse corruption with empowerment. Keep listening, Cynthia. Keep listening. Um, But more than anything else, what would you like to say regarding it? Should we be amending it? Gerald, you know, it's one thing to see it as, as the elite, but how then do we start addressing Right, the economic injustices that continually being uh, that are continually being perpetuated in South Africa. South Africa sits as the most unequal country in the world, and it's sitting with an une- inequality simply because white companies are still benefiting from being white, and black companies are not benefiting from being black, even in a country that's supposed to be theirs. Gerald, are you still with us? Ooh, we lost Gerald there, but maybe you can throw this one to you, Gregory, while we try to get Gerald back. It's the truth. Inequality in this country is at an exorbitant, unsustainable space, including for black businesses. But yet, white companies are still benefiting from being white, and then black businesses are not benefiting from being black.
1: Yes. And in fact, let me start here, Faith, that, um, you know, responding directly to what Dean said, the fact of the matter is that white private sector owns this economy, not even government. So white people own the economy. And where the implementation of BE went wrong is when the very same asset owners decided who to sell those assets to. So it was not blacks who went to whites and said, you will sell me this. It was those white people that decided that they're going to sell to certain black people. And as a result, that created this exclusive group that he calls Elites Today. The very people that were empowered by whites who owned assets and decided who to sell those assets to. So they own the economy, they own the assets, they decide who to sell to, they even talk to their own banks that they control and their friends control and they decide who will be funded to acquire those assets if they choose not to fund those through the banks, they decide themselves that they will uh, fund those um, uh, transactions themselves, vendor finance those transactions themselves. So Dean must not come here and create an impression as if there was political pressure to send to sell to certain people. It is white people who decided with their own companies who they are going to do business with and who they are going to sell those assets to. Nobody was forced to sell assets to anybody. It is them who created these elites. And today they are the first one to come and blame government and blame us as black people to say we have created elites when it is white people with their decisions that created that. So Let me that's ask the you this thing.
0: Gregory and then can I ask you this on that point as well when you're saying that the white owned companies made a decision on who to sell assets off to how did they come to the decisions that they made? How did they choose that no 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 let's sell it to Gregory, let's bring Gregory into the, into the table but let's leave out Owen how did they make that decision?
1: Ask how- them Ask them, it was them who decided. We were not there. All we know is that a certain group of people kept on getting transactions exclusively from this white establishment because it is how they decided to implement the policy. It's not how we as black people decided to implement this policy. And by the way, Faith, in response to that, that's why the triple B legislation came in. So the initial legislation was just BE, the broad based element was brought in to count exactly what the whites were doing, to say, but you can't keep on selling to a few people. So can we broaden this thing so that at least we can include as many people as possible? So what we expect whites to do as asset owners is to look elsewhere, to go and empower others and not to keep on empowering the same group of people, because it's them who own those assets. It is them who decide to, uh, whom to sell those assets to and at what price. So if I own my company, I decide if I want to sell that company to you or not. Faith, you can't dictate that to me. So white people must answer that question. And what Dean must answer now, because he represents that constituency, is how are they, as the owners of this economy, going to make sure that this epoch is much more inclusive? Right now, we're talking about skills development, the same thing that he's passionate about. The very same companies are not training people. They are not promoting people, yet they get B.E. points. Now, who do you blame? Because the legislation is there. Hence, we are saying, let this legislation have a provision, right, for, for for enforcement. Because at the moment, it's voluntary. We expected everybody to come to the party and play along. But clearly, that is not what we're experiencing. And today, we get the likes of Dean who come here and want to blame black people when it is them who own the economy and who decided to, uh, to, to empower. It's not us. Black people who are sitting at home don't own companies. Dean?
3: Well, I mean, I, I think that this conversation is really becoming problematic you know and you, you know i don't uh, represent a group of people based on the color of my skin which is what uh, you, uh, our friend wants to suggest and and you know i think throwing around racial epithets uh, doesn't help either um but but what does concern me is when you know we we speak in sort of conspiratorial ideas or some big stitch up uh and people were selected on the basis of this or that I think that that doesn't help. But actually, what your your previous caller who couldn't come on the line asked a really important question, and and I assume he was a young person, and and the thing that he wanted to know was how do we deal with the injustices of the past and deal with inequality now? And that's what we should be talking about, about a bill that the DA has put on the table that's going to do exactly that. It's going to deal with what drives people into poverty and drives inequality, because for as long as you don't want to deal with those issues, and, 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 I, and I can assure you that no one in the black business council wants to deal with those issues, that we will continue to sit with the problem that we have. We've got to ensure that we invest in individuals. We've got to ensure that we make it easier for people to start businesses. We've got to invest in education so that people have the uh, opportunities of life to be able to better themselves but taking things like 44 billion rand and spending it on 900 individuals what this which is what this government has done so far is an extraordinary amount of money to keep the status quo of elitism and that's just something that is not tenable in this country whichever way and whatever race you may belong to mm. for as long as 16 million people remain unemployment and 80 percent of those or 90 percent of those are black that is not a situation that cannot ca- cannot, and will not be dealt with with current BE legislation. And that's why we have to start with a new paradigm. But blaming people and this person and that person and you represent this or that is, is quite frankly uh, not helpful and not getting us to any conclusions.
0: Well, let me get to you, Gerald, regarding this. When I mean, you've been listening, we just got cut off for a little bit, but... I wonder about the future of business owners in this country, right? And and how and what, what what mandate are they using, right? The the young business owner who wants to get a piece of this pie of this economic pie, are they doing it according to BE or triple BE legislation, or are they just saying, you know what, I'm trying to go into business, man, and this is what I really want to to get out of it because the past is clearly not working.
2: Look, I think you know. Yeah, I think both, both gentlemen have got points which are valid. And for me, the most valid point which we need to address is if one political party thinks it's morally wrong to empower one group of people, um, and historically, morally it was wrong for another group to do the same thing, we need to address these inequality, the inequality issue. Um, we have a situation where something morally wrong was done. Gerald went to Faith's house, and Faith had 10 chickens and Gerald walked off with all 10 chickens. And then one day, Gerald and Faith decided, let's make peace. And then, um, but Faith, but Gerald says to Faith, if you want your chickens back, you have to buy them back from me. But I took them from you, okay? So this is exactly where we are with business and the history of South Africa. We now have, we are now arguing over buying shares which were taken or opportunities which were taken. We need to address the issue at the core, which is if something is done in goodwill, it's a matter of saying, let's fix the problem, let's share the wealth. And the whole purpose of all these pieces of legislation was to share wealth, not to train black people and not to allow us to work our way up. It was uh, to, to make the, 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 the cake more equi- equitably distributed. And that hasn't happened. Hence, we have this key problem here. But for, for the DA to say it's morally wrong to empower a group which was, um, which was forcibly taken off their land and had assets taken off them, is totally um, insulting to every black person listening right now. And if that's a DA position, then how can we be having this conversation with them as having any goodwill?
0: Zero eight six one nine eight seven Triple Zero. I'm gonna to go to um our online uh, Power FM nine eight seven Lista CB saying that we cannot blame those who own the resources when we have the power to force them. Remember they still want to benefit if you change the laws. We just have greedy leaders. Ed saying Greg is right, let's not go far. The five hundred billion Rand COVID relief fund, we are told eighteen billion Rand was dispersed by banks and almost all of it went to white owned businesses. Why? Um is saying that is it has never concerned ANC to transform this country. While the state has the power, with a stroke of a pen to change, it must go. What do you say? Is it Pielo in Dean? Hello, Pielo.
5: Hi, Faith. How are you? I'm um, very well.
0: Thanks. And you, sir? Go ahead.
5: Yes. Yeah, um, Faith, um, I disagree with um, the plan to um, do away with uh, the BEE Act.
6: Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm.
5: Uh, you know, um, it has failed. Uh, there are loopholes, but I, I think they it must be watertight. And also now, with this new Epoch Law, you know, the, the problem, what I have is that, you know, you must remember things like apartheid. It was a construct, you know, from uh, white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Now, you, now you have this... Uh, um, epoch uh, which doesn't have um you know the voice of the black child in an informal settlement in uh, katlehong in so way to you know it doesn't have the voice of efs it doesn't have the voice of azapo it's just a bunch of people that thought hey black people just need their jobs and and that I'm, I can tell you that act is not going to create black millionaires, Sure. you know. And it's what your, your guest has said. You know, you stole uh, so much from me and you've taken uh, this and now you want me to buy when I have to get that. B- the B, BEE came into effect, at, um, uh, um, I think, uh, 2002 or 2003. 2003
0: was an act. Right. Yeah. I,
5: I finished trick in 1999. I went to uh, do electrical engineering at VAL. I worked at Englo Gold Ashanti in the club stop. I've worked for the likes of Avenge. I've seen how it's been chopped and I've seen how it's been undermined. You know, daily. I mean you things like skills uh, skills uh, skills transfer. You 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 have a, a, a white topi uh, uh, sorry to 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 talk about rape. Who doesn't want to Transfer skills he will make you do mundane things and you wiring then what what when it comes to uh, uh, uh you know the the honcho the, the the niche skills then he will send you away and they go and fetch a b c d in the workshop and you don't get those
7: skills
0: i hear you Bill. i gotta run sir but uh, your point has definitely been made and i thank you very much for that one well, let me go to Akasia. hello hamlet
7: Good afternoon, Faye to you and your guest yes, and uh,
3: uh,
7: hi to Greg. Greg uh, is raising a very important point. And uh, you see, uh, B, e, uh, 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 triple B as a policy is a very good uh, policy, a very fantastic policy. But the challenge is that you've got a private sector that operates outside that uh, uh, policy framework. They run a par- parallel program to that of the state, which is developmental by its nature. I'm in private sector. I am a manufacturer for the past eight years, you know, just to access, uh, 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 you know, a portion of market. I'll give an example. You know, I manufacture paints, all types of paint, and were SABs approved. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're struggling just just for shelf space in, 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 in your major uh, hardware. Uh, in your major property developers, they tell you without blinking that our architects, they specify... This one product only. So this is the paint that will go with. I don't want to mention their name. We all know them. So, 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 so the frustration to build that business. It has cost us everything we had. And, and and today it is clear that uh, with the current trajectory of the private sector, uh, we might not see uh, the next five years because it, it, just to survive COVID was just a mystery. So, so the frustration in private sector. Are, 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 are unimaginable for black entrepreneurs. And private sector has not transformed, they are not willing to transform, they have created monopolies and sub-monopolies, and that is what's constraining our economy and we cannot grow economy with the nature of the private sector that we have.
0: I hear you. Aaron in Pretoria, hi. Hello, how are you see? I'm very well, thanks, and you, sir. Go ahead. I'm okay. I just have two
7: points. First of all, uh, even the BE itself, right? Uh, white capital monopoly, they also benefit from it. They don't, they don't have to, to say anything because they also benefit. If I get a contract myself, I have to go to a white man to, to procure something in order to provide the government. That's my first point. The second point, if they want to totally scrap the B E, they have to come up with utilities for us blacks. Like, for what? Scrapping the whole system. The mm-hmm. whole system itself is flawed. One, it's the banking system. Where is the finance for us, uh, black uh, black business owners? Because uh, these columns, the white, uh, black, colored, those columns, I have a problem with those columns. If they can change the whole system, the whole economy, then that's when you can talk about scrapping. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you
0: very much. I'm going to go to uh, Simon in Hamanskral. Hello, Simon. Faith, how are you? I'm very well. Thanks, and you, sir. Go ahead.
4: We are getting angrier and angrier as the topic continues.
0: And that's okay. We need to get angry before we can fix. Go ahead, sir. Uh,
4: Oh, Faith, there's talk about once empowered, always empowered. That needs to be explained. It needs to be revisited, even after the court cases. Because what these companies do, they front, and then after they front, they kick you to the curb as a black person. But then they still continue to get whatever uh, was due to them, due to the contracts, because once empowered, always empowered. This 26% that are talking about in mm. the mining uh, 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 companies and in mining in general, it's not even there. So why even bother? We, we are losing hope. We are losing faith. Well, not you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> but, but it's,
4: it, it's so tough. You know, you don't know who to go to. The means of production are in white hands. Mm-hmm. As the gentleman said, the previous caller, you cannot do anything without them. So faith is. I don't know. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much, Simon. Yolanda in Rand Park Ridge. Hello. Hi. How are Hi, you? Hi, Yolanda. Very well. Thanks to you, ma'am. Go ahead.
6: I'm um, good, thanks. Um, just I've been listening to the show. Thanks for this wonderful show. Thank you. Uh, from a point of skills transfer, um, I'm a black woman, early forties.
0: Um,
6: I have actually benefited from um a white company mm-hmm. uh, with proper skills transfer. So um I did hear a caller saying, you know, they some Some of the companies would make you just do the basic things. Mm -hmm. But from my point of view, it was proper. It was done properly. I have moved from the company 10 years later. But, I mean, I still have those skills. So, at some point, it does work in other companies. And there are people who are willing to do that properly. But my bigger point on this issue is there needs to be a buy-in. I think we are all coming from our own experiences and from our own comments. I hear what the DA is saying. And they also have a point. I know being black people, with the majority of us, and looking at where we're coming from in our history, but there is a point to be taken from what they're saying in terms of who really benefits. Who, okay, who are the majority of people that benefit? Again, from another point in terms of the BE, we do need it because there's no way we can run away from how the wealth is divided in the country and where us as black people are in the economy. But I, I think the, what's mostly important is We need to be able to sit down and say this doesn't work and be open-minded to listen to the
0: other side and see where we can find a common ground. I hear you, Landa. In fact, on that note, you as uh, the Black Business Council, uh, Gregory, are also making proposals to what needs to be amended. Let's talk a little bit about those proposals.
1: Yes, Faith. So so as I said, the first thing is that we need to make sure that uh, we, we, we we amend the codes uh, we amend the act, we amend the, the regulations and the codes, and we increase the target so for instance, what you were uh, the, the the figures that you mentioned earlier the target there is twenty five percent so it's, what we are saying is that even the minimum of twenty five percent was not reached all right so so that's what it means so 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 when the lady talks about buy in that's that's what we mean that people are not buying into this because if they were buying into it they will have made sure by now that 25% of equity in their businesses or in the private sector is transferred. So yeah. they have not even made that. So we need to tighten that and make sure that we increase that to over 51%. I don't see why we should not move to over 51%. We've been at this um, low target for far too long. Increase it. But at the same time, make sure that you tighten the screws in terms of enforcement. Let this law be enforceable if it is not in, uh, in, enforceable. And by the way, both in the public and the private sector, because that's very key. Mm. Because what we find is that white business is very comfortable operating in the private sector, doing business among themselves as friends and only comply with the legislation when they have to do business with government so we need to make sure that we don't have two enclaves here where there's private sector that has got its own set of rules and the public sector that has got its own set of rules we are all operating under one economy in one country we must be regulated by the same set of rules so that is one of the major um, uh, you know proposals that we are coming through there are a whole lot of others as well we don't have enough time to you know to, to be able to 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 unpack all of them here but what is the key is that we need everybody to buy into this thing and just in, in, in closing, Faith, Dean must understand that if you're not going to talk about race, then we're not going to transform this economy. The fact of the matter is this economy is white right owned finish and clear. That is the fact of life. And if we're going to change that, we must make sure that those white people are willing to change and we can work together to transform this economy. For as long as they remain where they are and they do not want to come to the party, we are not going to have a, um, uh, you know, a meaningful transformation happening in our country. So we do need to buy in, but we need enforceable laws.
0: Dean, what is the proposal, though, the alternative that is being put forward by the Democratic Alliance when it comes to, you know, um, uh, broad-based economic empowerment? What, what, what are you guys coming with to the table?
3: Well, well, thanks. And again, I just want to r- repeat uh, for our friend that I'm not the leader of white people in this country. Uh, and, and I really don't think that we misdescribe sort of uh, leadership attributions according to people's race. What we really need to do is uh, is, is we've uh, put on the table what we call the Social Impact Bill. We think it's an uh, it's an innovative bill which, which rewards businesses and companies that will do business with the state on what their meaningful contribution is to deal with, with the key drivers of uh, unemployment and inequality. So where there are issues of skills, uh, those investments are made. Where there are issues of, say, education, those uh, investments are made. Where there are issues of healthcare in communities, those investments are made. And that we start to redefine actually what businesses are incentivized to do in order to deal with the uh, 16 million unemployed South Africans that we have. We're excited to be taking this bill uh, around the country because as Yolanda had said earlier in her call, that we've got to do things differently. We can't just keep tinkering around the edges. We've got to take a radical new approach to dealing uh, with unemployment in, in inequality in this country. We've got to grow the uh, the economy and we've got to use uh, the, the leverage uh, that the state has in its massive one trillion rand uh, procurement to achieve those. We can't keep throwing money Uh, At the elites, like we've seen uh, recently the president, you know, uh, sounding proud about spending 44 billion rand on 900 people, that's not good enough. We need to be spending 44 billion rand on uh, 44,000 or 900,000 people. That's where the money should be going. Uh, We can actually target opportunity where it gives more people to build uh, a life of meaning uh, meaning and purpose in this country and not being uh, subjected to the levels of poverty that they've said. And then I also just want to correct one last thing. At no point did I say that empowering black people is immoral. What I said is that using B.E. as a tool to empower the elites over again is immoral. And that's and that's everything that all of us uh, should reject. And if we don't, uh, then I'm really worried because we cannot keep continuing to empower the elites when millions of people in this country languish in poverty every single day. We're going to hear,
0: hold your thoughts there, Dean. We're going to also get uh, some insight from Gerald as well, looking at the two proposals that have been put forward by the Black Business Council, the Democratic Alliance. How actually doable are this, if you're looking at it from an economic uh, context? And we're still going to take your calls on zero eight six one nine Two o'clock now is your time. Tweet faith. At Faith Mangope and hashtag Power Lunch. Indeed, that is the hashtag for the conversation. We're going to get a closing remarks from our guests in just a moment, but we're critically assessing the effectiveness of Triple BEE in being able to address the injustices or the economic injustices of the apartheid system? Is it doing well in doing it? And if it's not working, what are some of those things that need to be amended within the act in itself? Gerald, we're hearing from two proposals. We've heard from the Black Business Council, which is speaking about how they need. To, we need to look at enforcing Right, if enforcing triple BEE so that those businesses that would try to, you know, sway from it can't do business without having the equitable representation. On the other side, we've got the likes of the Democratic allies that are saying we need to perhaps look at more of us social impact bills, CSI, skills, education, healthcare, uh, as uh, and the like. If we have to look at both of them, right? Which one seems more feasible? And I asked this from the place because I've got questions on both sides. So on one side of Black Business Council, if you're speaking about enforcing, will that also not be further enforcing the black elite from getting richer? And if you're looking at it from the Democratic Alliance side, the question I'm going to ask you is this, is that, so what about those black businesses that cannot have, a, or that cannot make social impact simply because they don't have the money yet? In order for you to make an impact, you need to be able to have money. So does that not just coddle the white establishment in the first place?
2: Look, Faith, I think you're right in that um, the answer we're looking is somewhat in the middle of both of the proposals. But as a small business owner, um, and like small, most small black business owners, our main gripe is access to markets and access to capital. And whether it's through enforcement, through the current legislation, or through the creation of new legislation, we need to take small business seriously and allow empowerment of small black businesses and yes um, when we say color it's a small black business which is struggling and whether it's through a guilt fund of some sort and people give money to small business to give them a chance um, we need to make it happen the da proposal of skills transfer and skills training needs to focus around um, creation of entrepreneurs and not more employees Because the creation of skills transfer around the employer-employee model simply perpetuates the current um, status quo, where the employers will will, will get more employees who just happen to be black. We want to be employers ourselves. We need access to markets. We need access to capital. And yes, um, one can point to the failures of the current legislation, but, you know, we want uh, small business to be brought back up to the top of the agenda because just like the previous caller who called, you know, you always work have to work twice, three times as hard as your white equivalents, yet um, we have the capabilities. And yet, as you're saying, Faith, going on the social um, CSI type model won't suit small business because we simply don't have the resources to start giving out and... Um, ha- helping with, with um, those who are less fortunate when we haven't even
0: established ourselves. I'm going to go to Ike in Eden, Glenn. Hello, Ike.
8: Uh, hello, Faith. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, let me say to you, listen to the discussions, the deliberations, and you know what? I, <laughs> I, I'm getting angrier and angrier. I, I'm in business mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not an economist
1: mm-hmm.
8: I will tell you I, I listen to all what these guys are saying mm-hmm. I, I, I I don't quite understand when and when exactly are we South Africans going to get to grips with the fact that you know uh, companies, why monopoly capital companies are not an accident. They are formed for the purpose. They've got a purpose, they've got a reason, they've got a rationale to exist, is to own and control assets. And and, and for God's sake, for for transformation to happen, it is them that have to decide that we are going to effect transformation. I don't believe that there is a policy out there in government that can compel people with such a clear purpose to transform. I seem to believe that the issues that we're talking about is the responsibility of government they belong to the developmental economy, which is what the government should be doing. And there's not, no talk about it.
0: I hear you, I Got a answer, but loud and clear. Let me go to Ndicheni. Ndicheni, uh, hello Ndicheni.
1: Um, good afternoon, Faith, and uh, your casting studio there. Yes, Kumula.
0: Hi, Gumula.
1: Yay. Lovely
0: to meet you. Go ahead.
1: No, I just have a quick question for Dean. Mm. I just want to understand something that. Does he look at the country's economic transformation imperatives as being anti-white? And the reason for me to ask that is because, uh,
7: at, in most cases, when they speak of PE, they're speaking about skills transfer and all that, fitting into a narrative that perhaps blacks don't have skills, and it's an insult to us because we right here we know we run businesses when we want to be suppliers to white-owned businesses, we are made to jump through
1: hoops. So all those stories—that's why each and every colour causing is upset because people speak as if. We have not done that before. So I just wanna know if the DA's uh, program to stop us from changing the economy to represent the democrat- uh,
3: demographics of this country. Well, I thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Dean. This question is directly to you.
3: Well, uh, again, I'm not a spokesperson for a particular race um, in, the, in, in the country. Uh, but but what I do wanna say is, you know, I think that an important question that's been raised is around access to capital. I think that that's such a crucial question. Uh, that can't be addressed by uh, in whatever form of legislation that you want to with the, uh, regarding VE because that's actually got to be a a, a decision regarding uh, treasury and actually how do we use our uh, funding agencies within government to support small businesses and i think that that's a legitimate concern and something that must be addressed uh, and must and must be spoken to.
0: Yeah, but also but in the what, what, questions what, what, regarding you directly. He asked you directly. Do you view economic transformation imperatives as being anti-white? That was the question he threw at you, not not for the representation of white people, but you directly.
3: Well, I mean, I don't quite understand the question. But what I will say to what I will will say to him, I think that what we do have in this country is we have a a real problem where the majority of South Africans uh, unfortunately continue to. Uh, suffer the the hang-ups uh, of uh, of apartheid and many of those have to do around things like education spatial planning uh, and skills and those are issues that have to be addressed and if we don't address them uh, we're not going to get more black South Africans uh, into work I mean so that should be something that's given and taken as should be a national priority we spend more money on education per capita than anywhere else in the world, and yet we continue to produce some of the worst education results that don't allow people to further their education and then gain skills to become entrepreneurs or to work as engineers or doctors or whatever. That's got to be a priority of our, of our, of, of our country. So I hope that that actually answers the question, which was the second part of this question.
0: Yeah, help us out here, Dean, because I'm really trying to understand, and that's what I'm saying that somewhere, somehow, we need to be able to find the middle ground for this because the social impact bill that is being proposed by the Democratic Alliance has got its space, but I'm concerned, and maybe you can clarify this, where it comes to ownership. You know, it's one thing to speak about skills development and, and education and then planting there in healthcare and being able to, that's all good. That's good, but that's good from a CSI component of it. What happens when it comes to the ownership of white-owned companies by black skilled individuals who are capable to do so. Where does that, where does that part fit in when it comes to the bill? Does, it, does the bill make any form of consensus for that part, where I own a stake in the company and that I'm not just there to be skilled, developed, and then and then leave and then go somewhere else?
3: Well, of course, you know people who work in businesses who want to acquire into businesses need to be given those opportunities to do so. I think that what we will all agree on is, uh, and and this is something that's not in dispute, is that generally black South Africans find it harder to access capital to do things like buy stakes in businesses or buy shares in businesses, and those are and those are uh, programs that have to be looked at by government. But those are separate from. What we should be doing, uh, which is which is in our in our social impact bill. So of course everyone wants to see more South Africans owning more companies and workers or managers or whatever owning in their businesses. But that's something that's got to be done by a, a program of government that allows people to access capital, whether that's government-backed or guaranteed-backed, or whether it's backed by uh, government. For, uh, the, uh, for for private commercial institutions to back them. Absolutely, we want to see that. But what we can't do is, is, is simply say that that's got to be the be-all and end-all of empowerment, because it's not. The be-all and end-all of empowerment really is about getting more black South Africans into more opportunity to be able to further their lives. And that's where I think the big divergence is, exists, is that we are obsessive about getting more Black South Africans into employment, into training and developing skills so that they can become the masters of their own destiny and create the millions of jobs that we so desperately need. And that's what our bill will focus on relentlessly uh, and we're going to go around the country building uh, support on that.
0: But is government listening to you um, as a Black Business Council, Gregory, when it comes to these kinds of proposals? Because... (sighs) At this stage, I wonder if, if you're saying here's a solution. I just wonder if the solution is being taken seriously.
1: Yes, <clears throat> I must say that uh, of late, we 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 are talking to government, and government seems to be listening. Now, one of the institutions that is critical to the amendment of the act is what we call the Triple B Presidential Advisory Council. Hmm. For the longest time, uh, this advisory council was not in office and uh, we are you know excited to announce that the the commissioners have now been appointed and they've hit the ground running so now we look forward to them uh, working through this process and making sure that this act is finally amended but now i want to come back to a very simple thing um, and and it, this is just to decipher the proposal from the da this social impact bill proposal in in short it's a it's a proposal that just condemns black people to perpetual labor. And, and it is so because when you look at the current B, by the way, there is an element for skills development where the very white-owned companies, including black-owned companies, by the way, if you think about it, are being rewarded for training people. Now, you've seen the results of the survey. They are not even meeting those demands. Uh, so, sorry, those minimum targets mm-hmm. of training people. Now I wonder what kind of buy-in is it going is is going to come out of the DA proposal if under the current dispensation, which says train your people who are in your books and those that are outside of your books as a business, so that we can train generally for the economy. If the the businesses are currently not uh, buying into that, I wonder how. Uh, the DA is going to do that without enforcement. But a further example is the following. The way the DA is, is, is put in this proposal is that don't tamper with the economic structure, all right? But we will create uh, employment opportunities for black people and we will do CSI in the communities where they reside. So let me give you an example of the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure. They spend almost 5 billion rents annually on private rental. So this is private rental that they pay to hire out Because
0: offices. government does not own a lot of its exactly. assets.
1: Yes. The bulk of those uh, owners are white right now, as we speak. So government expenditure in that expenditure item alone, almost 90% of it goes to white people. So what Dean is actually saying with this proposal is that, no, 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 don't sell anything to black people. Give it to um, uh, 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 white people. It must remain in white hands. And as the owners of those properties, we will then uh, create employment and then do some CSI programs. And this is what we have a problem with, because employment will come when you open a shop checkers in Soweto, you will have black people. It doesn't matter what you do. You will hire black people. Even when you open it in Sentin, it will be black people that are hired in that shop. Mm. So why are you creating an impression as if, no, this is not black people that are hired. They will have to create a special dispensation to hire black people. Let's not thank the fish for swimming. Black people will be hired in those businesses in any case. So why must we thank business for that? What we need to deal with here is the ownership profile of this economy. Because employment... By virtue of who we are, by virtue of our democratic, the majority of the people that that will be employed in any business will be black. There's nothing special in this proposal. And we are training people every day. As Gumuna said, people are trained every day. They are not being employed. And that's the cry from our youth. It's not that they're not being trained. They're being trained. We need to open up spaces in the private sector to hire them. So that's what we need to do.
0: It certainly is a conversation we cannot have in one day, is it? But I think one thing that is becoming very clear in this conversation is that business cannot be done the way it has been done, and we expect nothing to change. The truth of the matter is, and I will take the Democratic Alliance's point in this one, is that BEE is benefiting the elites, the black elites. However, under the same breath, broad-based black economic empowerment is not becoming a realization, and White business is still being coddled and more than anything else being given the space to thrive. That's why we've got the inequality statistics that are sitting in the country. Inequality is at its highest level right now because white-owned companies are continuing to strive. And never mind that. How many top business or top management levels are actually fulfilled by black people in this country? The stats are saying something completely different. 64% of top management is filled by white white people. We can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's called insanity. And more than anything else, what do we need to do to change? So you've heard the different proposals. Maybe it's up to you to decide what kind of a business environment, an economic environment do I want to create? And what is my role as an ordinary South Africans in realizing the creation of that economic environment? Because I tell you one thing, only a few are participating in this economy. And I just wonder how sustainable it is.